COVID-19 has shaken up several sectors, with the transport sector having to bear a majority of the brunt. Imagine something as integral and basic as travel being put on pause for prolonged periods. There has been an undeniable impact, globally. But for today's episode, our discussions would be centered around the Middle East to answer one pertinent question. What is the future of transport? Hello and welcome to another episode of Construction Week Viewpoint. I am Disha Dadlani, your host for the podcast and multimedia reporter at Construction Week. I am joined by Roger Krukshank, Senior Director, Transport Strategy, Equity Lead, a member of the SNC Lavalin Group, and Jonathan Spear, Transport Policy and Strategy Advisor, Equity, also a member of the SNC Lavalin Group. Thank you very much both today for uh, joining me in the podcast. It's wonderful having you both. Thank you. Thank you. So now, of course, let's uh, let's discuss everything transport. Let's open the first question to the both of you. Speaking of the transport, you know, the transport sector, something that always comes to mind uh, and something that is gaining steam at present are rail projects. So, you know, tell me what is your outlook for such projects within the GCC and what developments are you both looking forward to in this sector for the coming years? Do you want to start with this, Roger? Yeah, so obviously um, there's great sort of excitement still within the rail sector, Um despite certain challenges over the last one year with the pandemic, you know, governments have still pushed ahead with these uh, key visionary projects. So looking forward to seeing Riyadh Metro perhaps uh, open at the end of this year or early next year. And of course, if we go out to the desert at the moment, Etihad Rail is ongoing in terms of its implementation. So we see um, these projects as key, kind of really opening up, particularly travel uh, within Riyadh um, and the opportunities that will present. Equally, once a freight line is open, you know, across uh, UAE, that right. opens up great possibilities. Great. How about you, Jonathan? Do you want to weigh in on this as well? Yeah, I mean, just to follow up on that, I mean, I think it's also likely that the, the current and the planned rail projects, they're going to provide a very useful economic stimulus um, to help the post-COVID recovery kind of move forward. So they're really going to help us to kind of build back base- better right. um, to, to kind of use a, a well-worn phrase uh, at the moment and support the private sector uh, strengthening uh, and also provide a viable alternative to road-based transport and mobility, which historically has been really kind of the dominant force in this region. Right. Very interesting. Now, Roger, could you let us in on the company's upcoming transport projects in the Middle East for 2021? And let's also have you look back uh, at the past year, which, of course, I'm sure we'd all agree was a challenging one. Um, Yeah. Do you want to go for that? So, you know, there's been an element of focus uh, within what we're doing, um, as you're aware, certain restructuring elements. So we've got a key focus now in the markets of the UAE and and Mm -hmm. KSA in particular, getting closer uh, to clients. Transport, though, has kind of never kind of waned in terms of its pressure, uh, despite this past year. Uh, we found good opportunities in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, as well as critically uh, Saudi. So supporting a number of the sort of government entities in, in, in both countries and also seeing some still interesting projects uh, around developments within the uh, private sector as well. Right. And have you observed an influx of investments towards transport infrastructure? How has that changed in uh, in the past years? 
I might have suggested there's been a slight holding of brakes on it, on the exact investment. However, people, I think, still realise that the Middle East is a huge growth area or has the key potential, particularly with a young population in countries like Oman mm-hmm. and Saudi. So whilst there may have been some uh, reset of, of investment thinking, the government agencies we are working for are certainly looking at seeing private sector investment come in to support uh, transport projects moving forward. Right. And what would you say has caused this change? Uh, has it had anything to do with the pandemic and say, you know, uh, travel and movement restrictions at all? Uh, obviously, as we know, in the aviation sector in particular, key restrictions on travel and therefore, you know, budgets and investments are on hold. Mm-hmm. But I think as, as Jonathan made the point, uh, the decarbonisation kind of agenda is not going away and uh, alternatives to the road sector in particular are still very much in people's minds. And also what happens around those, say, railway stations or logistics hubs, there's a real key opportunity to kind of edge the competitiveness of the companies and of the countries, of course. Right. Now, you know, uh, Jonathan, of course, no discussion is complete today without referring to the C word, COVID-19. Uh, let's bring that back into the picture. And if you could tell me what kind of an impact um, has the pandemic had on Middle East transport and transport projects as well? Um, could you also list maybe the immediate and long-term challenges that the sector is facing? Uh, of course. Well, I mean, COVID, we're now a, a year's anniversary, actually, since the first cases in the That's in true. the GCC and indeed the world. Um, we've been tracking the, protect, the uh, progression of the pandemic over that last year. Uh, we've, as you know, we've published two white papers on the subjects and actually this week an update uh, to the white paper about where we are now, a kind of a year in. I think it's fair to say the GCC has been impacted uh, less than, say, Europe or, or the US uh, in terms of kind of the number of cases. and uh, But we've clearly still got an econom- a very sharp economic recession. Uh, and we've seen uh, certainly last year falls in mobility, uh, the demand for transport, mm. of uh, up to 90% uh, mm. in, in some countries. Now, that's kind of levelled off, it's increased, but still we're seeing a 20 to 40% reduction in mobility. Uh, in, in in many parts of the world, um, and clearly that's got a, a negative impact on kind of business activity, okay. economic growth uh, and development, creation of jobs, uh, 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 travel within the region, uh, and so on. Having said that, uh, at the same time we've seen you know reductions in congestion, falls in road traffic accidents, improvements in air quality. So it's not all bad. Yeah. The question is how some of those benefits can be maintained after the pandemic, kind of moving moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have to say, I think the transport sector as a whole has handled the pandemic pretty well um, in the GCC. So it's kept transport infrastructure open. Uh, facilities open it's kept uh, freight uh, and essential goods moving Uh, there's been quite a strong emphasis on protecting frontline workers health and safety on sites keeping maintenance and construction activity moving so I think overall the transport sector's actually got quite a positive story to tell uh, during the pandemic and clearly moving forward uh, I think, as Roger's already said, there's going to be a focus on more kind of business continuity, resilience planning to make sure we're better prepared for the next crisis, which will inevitably come along. 
Uh, I think the other long-term impacts will be the acceleration of things like automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a focus on, and we're going into COP26 uh, and the climate change agenda later yeah. this year. So more focus on really sustainable transport and decarbonisation of, of, of the sector. Um, and also, I think the replacement that we've seen during COVID-19, this replacement of physical movement and mobility for digital connectivity so actually doing things online so working from home e-learning and so on and that's been a massive behavioral shift Mm -hmm. during the pandemic and we're going to see I think an element of that continue afterwards the only question is to what extent does it continue and what's going to be the impact on the demand for transport Let's have you both uh, discuss what exactly, uh, you know, is is in store for the future of transport. Um, Maybe we can have you both weigh in on this and uh, what kind of opportunities maybe do you foresee the industry leverage? Uh, It's, of course, worth um, mentioning here. The line by Neom in Saudi Arabia is going to be a 170 kilometer long city aiming to be cars and roads free. So that's, of course, very interesting. Uh, What does something like this mean for the transport industry? Um, both of you could have a go at this. Well, well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll start with the general and then we'll kind of go, go more specific. Um, so in, in, in our white papers, we've uh, set out what we call the, the building blocks, uh, and there's eight of them, uh, for the future of transport. So what we've tried to do is look beyond the immediate crisis and say, you know, we're not going back to normal um, after, after COVID, and nor do we want to, because in a, in a sense, the old normal uh, was congestion, pollution, severance of communities, uh, road traffic accidents. So a whole series of of issues uh, which were challenging us. So going back to that after the after the pandemic, um, you know, do we really want to to do that? So people talk about the you know the so called new normal, uh, and actually doing things differently. So the so the pandemic really provides an opportunity to slow down, rethink. And then say, how do we want to kind of do things better? Um, and the eight building blocks, uh, I mean, I won't go through all of them, but they include things like uh, embedding sustainability uh, into infrastructure. They include things like digitization uh, and digital connectivity, replacing physical mobility, as, we, as we've already been discussing. Uh, they include reaffirming the importance of public transport uh, to cities because public transport networks, of course, are taking a big hit during COVID, we need to kind of retrench and kind of pull that, pull that back. Uh, and they include things like technological development, so transport automation, uh, the electrification of road transport, which then leads us on to kind of credible net zero mm. moving, moving forward. So these are kind of the big questions I think that transport planners are going to be debating really over the next you know, few years, mm. actually moving, moving forward. Um, and in the and and in the specific context of Neom, I think Neom is is very exciting because it brings together a lot of those ideas basically in one planning concept. Right. Yeah, that's quite interesting, Roger. Uh, well, I see the future of transport in in sort of two buckets really, and 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 John has started that discussion. Mm-hmm. We've been uh, talking to some of our clients, obviously, about the real hurdles that they have um, around sort of passenger numbers and whatever so we kind of developed a thinking around the three r's approach we called it Mm -hmm. which is about uh, recover reopen and and reimagine so 
you know, we need to recover a certain position that we had before or realize the assets we have. We then want to reopen based on perhaps these net zero and sustainable kind of goals and visions. And then we want to kind of think about how we might reimagine, you know, air travel and, and, and public transport in the future. So we've been saying, we've been talking to organizations about their organization, about their finance, about their infrastructure and about their assets. So that's kind of today's issues. And, and some of those are real issues that I think are happening in, in Dubai and Riyadh and Jeddah and, and elsewhere. But not undoubtedly, you know, um, the Crown Prince, um, you know, has clearly uh, seen a, a great uh, opportunity and, and, and a key vision around around the line. It is an exciting kind of uh, endeavour. I think we all know that there are quite a number of sort of challenges around the, the sort of practicalities of that. And there will obviously need to be a real meeting of minds. Uh, also, it's the supply chain, you know, the, the Neom as, as, as a company and... and, and and his highness have got great you know visions for for that it's then getting the supply chain and 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 consultants and contractors to understand those requirements and 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 not just do workarounds but really have real out of the box thinking but that will be you know sustainable affordable kind of manageable and indeed you know will will stand the test of so, sort of time i think you know people are talking about certain systems which we know say 10 or 15 years from now might actually be redundant so we need to think yeah. beyond that and so I think the the goal is to try and think about transport in 2100 um not now <laughs> I mean I, I did also want to just share a, a quick reflection in the sense that my my daughter um will be going to university uh at the end of uh, this year and uh for her I think this this last year has really opened up and and I think that for her and the, and the generation that we are seeing will have that very different perspective. Um, we want to bring our experience, but I think John has made a key point that I think our, our young people of the future won't they aren't wedded to the car. They maybe do understand public transport, but I think they're looking for certain new new kind of ways of, of doing stuff and that travel no longer needs to be so burdensome and so... Uh, time-consuming. Mm -hmm. um, there's something around how they will interact going forward. I think they'll still enjoy seeing places, but I think they can do it in a different way. So I'm intrigued by this because it won't be me that's really doing this. I think it will be my daughter and 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 her friends. So you know, it's just a very interesting thing. And 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 the line again will be a key sort of part of that journey. And I think mm -hmm. other parts of the world will capture the essence of what is being created in Saudi Arabia and, and try to sort of enact some of it in other parts, adapted to their cultures and their circumstance. Right. Very strong points there. Thank you so much, Roger and Jonathan, for joining me today. It was lovely having you both. Great. Thank you. Great, so while that was all for this episode, we will be back very soon with another one. Till then, we have a task for you. As you may have heard, Construction Week has now gone behind a paywall. Sign up for a digital annual or monthly subscription to Construction Week online for unlimited access to the news website. What's in it for you? It includes up-to-date analysis on the region's biggest issues, digital access to the Construction Week magazine, exclusive expert columns, features, site visits, interviews such as these, and a lot more. Thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye.